from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. You can't talk about agriculture without a visit to the Hawkeye State. How corn has changed the landscape of Iowa as we celebrate the Ag States of America. A new look at the size of the nation's cattle herd. The beef cow herd is still going to continue to tighten throughout the rest of this year. What those new numbers could mean for the industry going forward. As we head to what will be the center of the cattle world this week, New Orleans and the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. That's right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. America's cattle producers faced a tough 2022 as drought forced more ranchers to bring cattle to market early. But they have seen some price support and political leaders are taking notice, increasing support for independent producers and processors. Now amid all of this, the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show is kicking off in New Orleans. And that's where we find Ag Day's Michelle Rook, Michelle, ranchers have a lot of ground to cover over the next few days. That's right, Clint. Here at the NCBA convention, cattle producers are talking about the state of the industry after the historic drought. A new farm bill and USDA's newly announced cattle contract library pilot program. NCBA leadership is skeptical about a new farm bill getting done this year, but says that as the Ag Committees begin laying the groundwork for the 2023 bill, they're trying to make sure cattle producers aren't left out of the program. Here at the convention, they're talking about changes they'd like to see, including better risk management protection in the livestock revenue program. I like uh, the, the livestock risk mitigation uh, uh, programs that are out there. I think there's going to be some additional subsidies that may be available. That's going to help it make it more cost effective for somebody with one cow or somebody with 2,000 cows. You know, too often it's, it's corn, wheat, and beans. Uh, they have a crop insurance program. We need something like that, and we are now getting that product. So I'm excited to see that develop and, and take off. Now, this is critical after the historic drought in the U.S. that caused massive liquidation in the cattle herd, which was confirmed in this week's USDA cattle inventory report. We've been complaining we don't have adequate shackle space for, for a long time. So suddenly now that cow-calf uh, producer is going to be back in the driver's seat. That feeder is going to have some leverage. Uh, unfortunately, that came at the cost of, of millions of head. I, you know, when, when you take the cow herd down that far, you risk beef getting too high priced and, and losing your demand. Wilkinson says there is some profitability finally returning to the cow-calf sector, and the hope is that will finally move up the production chain. So just how bullish were the numbers in the semi-annual cattle inventory report? And are they bullish enough to push these cattle prices into record highs? We'll find out in market analysis coming up. All right, thanks, Michelle. A big topic at this year's convention, the size of the beef herd, which is continuing to shrink. USDA just released its twice yearly cattle inventory report, and the numbers are breaking records. A quick review showing there are 89.3 million head. That's down 3% from last January, and most of the rest of the numbers down as well. With all cows and heifers that have calved down 3%, all heifers 500 pounds and over down 4%, while beef replacement heifers, they were down 6%. The numbers all point to more signs that water feed and pasture conditions continue to be tight. That's the lowest uh, cow, uh, beef cow herd 
that we've seen since NES started making its official recordings back in 1972. So it's the lowest on record since then. It, it moves below the low point of 2014. And um, however it does, there's been lower uh, beef cow herd, but that's way back a long time, which stands to reason. But this is the lowest one on record as far as since the official uh, reports have been done. The 2022 calf crop is also down 2%. Schmall says with that being on the decline, he does not see a rebuilding of the herd anytime soon. Other news important to cattle production, the U.S. is now requesting a second USMCA dispute panel to probe the revised Canadian Dairy TRQ plan. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai announcing the formal request. It comes after revisions to the tariff rate quotas following an earlier dispute panel ruling failed to bring Canada into compliance with the PAC's dairy market access provisions. Now, Canada's Minister of International Trade criticized the call for a second panel, saying it will continue to defend its supply management system and the market access Canada and the U.S. have agreed on. The beef industry, like others in ag, working to keep diseases at bay. Now there's word a case of mad cow disease was discovered at a farm in the Netherlands. The infection was found in a dead cow late last month at the South Holland province of the country. It reported the disease is an old age variant and is not dangerous to public health. The ministry in the country saying atypical cases of mad cow, they occur sporadically in older cows. And the last case found in that country dated back to 2011. Bands of sleet and snow that brought traffic to a standstill across the nation's midsection and canceled thousands of flights continued for a third day in the South. Watches and warnings stretched from Texas to West Virginia on Wednesday. Emergency responders rushed to hundreds of crashes across Texas as the governor urged people not to drive. Now in Arkansas, the governor there declared a state of emergency because of icy conditions. While in Oklahoma, a semi-truck was caught on camera going out of control on a slick road in Sequoia County. Luckily, the semi didn't hit any other cars and no one was hurt. As the storm continues to push east, heavy rain and flash flooding continues in parts of the deep south and southeast. Meteorologist Chuck Heber joins us with more. Okay, what we're looking at right now is down to the south and east. We still have that pesky storm. It's going to lay a lot of rain down through Georgia and Alabama and icing still in Dallas. But yeah, that is something. And then we're going to have Arctic air push back over into the northeast and bring some more lake effect clouds and snow to the Great Lakes. All right, here's a very important photo to share. Washington Cattlemen's Association is sharing a photo taken by Don Nelson on Facebook saying a picture can say a thousand words and then some saying lots of people can be cowboys, few can be cattlemen and understand the hard work and sacrifices made day in and day out. Ranch families take care of their animals 365 days a year, no snow days and no holidays for them. So let's hear it for the ranchers. Okay, I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Up next, taking a closer look at cattle markets and recent price action. That'll be coming up in analysis and later exploring all of the ag that Iowa has to offer with help from social media funny man, Charlie Barrett's, the United States of Ag in the country. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package.
One plant-based meat maker has plans to lay off 20% of its workforce. Bloomberg reporting Impossible Foods currently has about 700 workers. So layoffs could impact more than 100 employees. It comes after the company cut 6% of its workforce last year. The company makes plant-based burgers, patties, and nuggets, but it's not alone when it comes to layoffs. Beyond Meat announced last year it planned to lay off about 200 employees, or 19% of its workforce. Cattle futures lower midweek despite the neutral to bullish report from USDA on the current inventory. Michelle Rook joins us with analysis from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. Wednesday's markets were mixed into grains, but a lower day in the livestock futures. Brad Quim with Quim Quim of our lake is joining us. And Brad, a lower day in livestock uh, cattle, kind of surprising. We kind of faded a really bullish cattle inventory report. Sure did. Uh, not the first time, right? right. Uh, had a lot of bullish expectations. I thought the report lived up to expectations. Uh, big drop, talking about the lowest cow herd in a long, long, long time, right? Uh, but. On the other hand, we're 40 lower on FIP cattle, 40 lower in the back months. These are contracts that made new contract highs two days ago. So before anybody you know, jumps off the ledge or anything here, I think the market's still in pretty decent shape. So tell me how bullish this cattle inventory report really was. You mentioned the cow herd, 61-year lows. It takes a while to rebuild from that. Oh, man, does it ever. And, and we may not you know, get back to where we were. In fact, talking to some of the folks down here, we're still worried about some regional areas that are still very, very dry. Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, that area. The north is probably going to look at that next step of the holding heifers, I would think, this spring. Um, but to, to, to drop a, a supply by 4%, that's what is projected to change the cattle and feed numbers by 4% next year, is a huge drop in my estimation. And then if you put that on top of that, the idea that we might hold some heifers back, it, uh, it should be a very, you know, supply side situation should look very, very favorable. And as you mentioned, uh, contract highs earlier this week before the setback, but you know, where do you see us going in the, in the future here? Are we gonna hit those all time highs? Yeah, well, I think yes. You know, you always put me on the spot with these I questions. Do. Yeah. So to me, the, the, the 14 cycle would allow us to think, I think we go to one, the, the, to me the charts look like we go to 178 to 180. Don't hold me to that, but I think we're going to new contract guys. It might not be till the fourth quarter this year, in my opinion. Okay, does cash lead or does the futures lead? I, futures are supposed to, but it's been such a broken market. We're probably gonna have to prove it with the cash this time because the long specular seems to be so beat up, huh? All right. Well, always a pleasure to see you. Brad Coima with Coima Coima Barlick, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Golden Harvest. Broad adaptability, high yield potential, solid agronomics, great late season health. The foundations of a successful season start with Golden Harvest game-changing corn. Find your hybrid at gamechangingcorn.com. Just Chuck Heber joining us here to uh, take a look at our national forecast, and it's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day, but yes. it, that winter is sticking around as far as the weather that we're going to experience this it week. It is down to the south and southeast. It's going to be a mess, and then there's cold Arctic air coming into the northeast, which is going to set off some lake effect snow showers. Let's take a look at your forecast. Okay, let's take a look at our updated root zone. You can see out to the west, obviously, with all that rain that we had over the past month, it's still wet out there. Center part of the country, right here dab sab in the center we have yeah very exceptionally dry conditions and down to the southeast with all that rain and precipitation pushing through it's definitely wet out there most of the country then is relatively normal for what we would experience for this time of the year okay let's move on to 
The jet stream, you can see the cold air bottled up to the north. We will see intrusions of that into the northeast and through the Great Lakes, but this storm will slowly work its way out. That'll carry it out. See, there's that cold air intrusion into the northeast. That's going to bring Arctic air down into the New York City area and then through the Great Lakes. And with that, we're going to see a lot of lake effect snow that piles up in some downwind locations of Lake Michigan. At minimum, lake effect snow flurries and clouds. That definitely will be the norm there. Here's the jet stream on Tuesday. Again, some lobes of cold air pushing down into the country. Again, most of the cold air up to the north in the country mild. Here's future radar showing a lot of that precipitation down to the south. A lot of rainfall there. That's going to add to more moisture for that part of the country. And then the lake effect snow showers coming across the lakes, the Great Lakes over the next couple days throughout the weekend. All right, for temperatures in February, we're looking at above normal to the east and below normal out to the west. Here's the precipitation for forecast over the next 10 days. Again, piling up a lot of precipitation down to the southeast. Chicago, you're going to be at 29 today. We're going to go 52 over at Seattle. And how about down to the south? Yes, down to the south, you're going to go Miami at 70 degrees. And then tomorrow, only, only 3 degrees in Sault Ste. Marie. Okay, closer to home. Charleston, South Carolina, mostly cloudy, 64 and 46. Increasing clouds in Rome, Oregon, 41 and 28. And Glasgow, Montana, a high minus two, very cold, low minus seven. Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim, because cattle first is a remark only made remarkable by you, producers and veterinarians across the country. Cattle feeding margins narrowed significantly at the end of last month. Average profits were $15 ahead. That's according to the latest Sterling Beef Profit Tracker. Now that's down $45 from the previous week. Beef packers found estimated profits of $84 ahead last week. That's down $24 from the previous week and down $471 per head from the same week last year. But costs associated with finishing cattle have increased dramatically since last April with cattle sold last week carrying a total feed cost of $572, 23% higher than a year ago. U.S. hay stocks have fallen to their lowest level since 1974. High fertilizer prices coupled with last year's drought meant hay production saw its biggest decline in years. Nationwide, hay production totaled almost 65 million tons in 2022. That's down 9% from the previous year. Texas, the nation's largest hay producing state, saw a 40% decline, while in Arkansas, production was down 16%. Not good news for livestock producers, but with some drought relief coming this winter, what will that mean for hay this year? You know, in the southeast in Arkansas, especially, we've been very fortunate with some rain and, and kind of green things up uh, to the extent um, get some moisture in the ground. Um, you know, other places, it's it's really things have started off the way things ended in 2022, which is dry. So Texas and Oklahoma especially are still pretty dry in areas. Mitchell suggests for farmers producing their own hay and feeding it to livestock, make sure you're doing hay tests so you can be more precise in what you're feeding as you deal with higher input costs. Well, Iowa agriculture is so much more than corn and soybeans. We get a tour and a laugh with social media funny man Charlie Behrens as he explores United States of Ag next. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? 
Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Continuing our special series, Ag States of America, you can't talk about ag in our country without talking about Iowa. Charlie Behrens adds up all the ag he can that's happening in the Hawkeye State. Now, today's state gained notoriety from several popular films, including Field of Dreams, starring Kevin Costner, Bridges of Madison County with Clint Eastwood, or Twister, starring the prized 1995 Iowa State Fair Cow of the Year, Old Betsy. Rest in pieces. Anyway, let's get back on track. Today we're talking about Iowa, sometimes referred to as the Hawkeye State or the Tall Corn State. Iowa sits in the upper Midwest between the Mississippi and Missouri rivers. It's like a big river sandwich, you know, and it's incredibly fortunate to have some of the most productive soil in the world. In fact, the National Laboratory for Agriculture and the Environment declared the soil in one Iowa county to be among the richest in the world which is why they celebrate Black Dirt Days. Now I gotta confess, I don't know what goes on at Black Dirt Days, but you probably wanna bring your boots. With such fertile soil, Iowa is also recognized as the best place on the entire planet to grow corn, which explains why corn has been the state's top crop for over 150 years. Corn is so popular in Iowa, they used to call their school-age kids children of the corn. But for obvious reasons, they had to do a little rebranding. Anyway, these days, Iowa farmers grow about 2.3 billion bushels of corn on nearly 13 million acres of land, making Iowa the number one corn-producing export state in the Union. Through the years, corn has shaped Iowa agriculture, bringing in cattle, hog, chicken, turkey, and egg farmers, along with countless other agribusinesses who rely on corn to feed or add value to their products. In addition to animal feed, Iowa corn is converted into ethanol fuel, starches, sweeteners, and over 4,000 everyday products. Now, not to be corny here, but I think it is safe to say that Iowa is truly the cream of the crop. Ridiculous. Also, Iowa has become the second leading state, only behind California in total egg exports worth more than $10 billion each year. One of those corn feeding benefactors are Iowa's pig farmers, who lead the nation raising over 48 million hogs each year, or about a third of all pork raised in the entire United States. Iowa's egg farmers also lead the nation with over 55 million laying hens that produce nearly 16 billion eggs per year. That's basically one out of every six eggs produced in the US. And before I get tempted to crack some egg yolks, let's talk about growing techniques. Farmers don't plant corn on the same ground year after year. In fact, farmers in Iowa and many other parts of the country found it best to rotate corn with another amazing crop, the soybean, making Iowa the number two grower of soybeans in the nation. Soybeans are technically a legume, like peanuts, and legumes actually feed nitrogen into the soil as they grow. This reduces the amount of nitrogen farmers need to put on a field to grow corn the next year. Think of it like switching to a light beer. It's a bit of a different taste, still gets you buzzed, provides all the nutrients. At least that's what my doctor told me. Now, if you want to experience all of Iowa's agriculture in one place, it is all on display at the Iowa State Fair, one of the biggest and best fairs in the nation and definitely the place to see and smell Iowa's agriculture. They've got more than 50 food items served on a stick, including pork chops, hard boiled eggs, deep fried apple pie, peanut butter, and jelly. 
and yes, even salad on a stick. All right, thanks, Charlie. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day on Farm Country.